mercy, look at how the time goes. And welcome everybody to the Coming Home Podcast Seems with John so Allen. I am your host, John Allen, and today I have Miss Lisa Mansfield. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. A um, little bit, a uh, little tired. There's been a lot going on. I've been talking to a lot of people in a lot of different places. Um it's just, it's, it's a little bit crazy out there, as you see. Anybody watching the news, anybody who's online, they know the situation uh, back home in the States. Uh, you're sitting there at home in Akron, Ohio. How are things, yes. how are things there? Uh, last, the last two days have been pretty quiet. Um, the only protests we had here that turned a little were on Saturday night, and since then everything has been peaceful. Um, there's a park that's about a mile, mile and a half from my house, and there was a very peaceful protest there on Sunday. Um, but uh, the sad part is the protests on even on Saturday, um, the peaceful part lasted six, six and a half hours and went 15 miles and no one had not, you know, not so much as, uh, you know, a push or a shove. And, um, when it got dark, it got a little bad and some windows got broken downtown, um, and some graffiti got sprawled. Now, is that the protest where, uh, I heard on the, on, uh, on, or I saw online rather, excuse me, online, they were talking about there was some looting at Chapel Hill mall. Is that the same? protest no that was different that was monday, monday. and that was actually that was kind of a hit um it, it was a planned hit on a jewelry store that uh. got kind of labeled as looting and it, it it really sounded like they had planned this the mall is not in um uh high let's say occupancy right now it's a little it it's a little been, dead there from what i understand yeah, 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 and that was my mall, so I don't like to think about that. But um, it, uh, <laughs> it's um, they. So apparently, this was planned. There was like a U-Haul involved, and so that that got labeled as looting, and all the stores around shut down. Okay. But it was not. It okay. was planned like a smash and grab kind of deal. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I have to tell you, um, most of my listeners know that I'm born and raised in Ohio, specifically Norton. Uh, but we, I'm sorry, I was born in Akron, but raised in Norton. And we always used to go to Chapel Hill Mall. Uh, that was my mother's mall of choice at the time. And, and the, um, the snowman, uh, what was it? Archie. Archie. Oh, Archie. Yeah. Archie. People ask about Archie. That was one of the first things people ask after this. An incident happened. Was Archie okay? Archie was okay. Yeah, so Archie, it's poor, good. that poor guy. Um, <laughs> now you, <laughs> I, I think you have a very interesting um, line of work. You have two lines of work that you're in. Uh, two lines of work that bring you in very close contact with the local uh, environment, with the local society. There, can you tell me a little bit about and pick pick whichever one you want to start with first. Whichever line of work that sure. you're in. Um, well, my, I call it my day job. The <laughs> job that pays the bills, the one that I do for a living is uh, I work for the Summit County Probate Court. Um, I'm the community relations person there. It's community outreach specialist. So I set up all the communications um, between the judge and the community as well as um, 
you know, getting her out there as well as trying to communicate what the probate court does. I've been there for about three years. And before that, I was in the arts. Um, So I also get to bring art to the courthouse, which is amazing um, because I believe that art has a transformative power to it as far as it takes you out of your own head for a while and and can give you respite. So I have that as part of my job as well. I work for an amazing judge and she's very... um, very focused on making people feel comfortable. So love that. Interesting. Um, yeah. And then, um, cause probate's a whole different ball game. We could talk about that a little bit too. And then my second job is I've been an elected member of the school board in Akron for gosh, is 11 years. Yeah. 11. Um, so, so that's and a half two. Almost. That's two very important lines of work that you're in. Now, if we if we look at the the your work in the probate court, um, how important? I mean, I know it's very important what you do as far as you know, um, having that close contact with the public so that they understand what the probate court is all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, because at times, I would imagine there can be a little bit of distrust between the local population and the court system. Uh, what do sure, you do? What right. do you do to fix that? So because probate court is more of a service court, right? We're the court of beginnings and ends. So we handle everything from adoptions and marriage licenses in the state of Ohio to uh, guardianships and estates. So it can be the most joyful time of your life or one of the most sorrowful times of your life when you come to us. So, mm-hmm. uh, trying to make people uh and there's always if you go to seminars or things they'll say well you should avoid probate at all costs blah 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 mm-hmm. probate used to cost a lot of money there was a state tax um that went to the federal and state governments that doesn't exist in the state of ohio anymore and um at the federal level unless you have 11.5 million dollars which <laughs> i haven't met that person yet i know they're out there but I haven't met i've heard person. i've heard of that guy <laughs> heard of him but they're not i haven't run into him on the or streets. gal um yes right um then you don't have to pay any estate tax so there used to be real hard reasons and facts but again mostly it's because people are coming when they're when they're in a time of um either joy or crisis it's kind of like so police officers yeah, I was gonna say it's probably it's yeah. it's kind of like police officers or maybe um, maybe uh, emergency care nurses who they they see people at their worst moment. And it, yeah, it can be. Yeah, because yeah, we also have a mental health component too, so it can, it can be some some tough times for folks when they're when they're coming to see us. It may not um, anytime you're in the courthouse. It, you know that's what makes writing the grants that I write for art fairly um flow out of my system right because it's um you're not there because you want to be usually in the courthouse you know you're thinking about divorces yeah thinking about divorces or or death in the family and then there's an estate that has to be yeah yeah right or if you're in the courthouse period right you're probably either a victim or a victim's family member or maybe a perpetrator's family member there's a reason that you're there or you're called to jury duty i mean if you everybody's seen anybody run around like they won the lottery because they got called to jury duty people it's not there 
their, you know, it's not their dream day to be in the courthouse. And yet, and we work there every day and have yeah. to have a, you know, a caring, loving attitude. So, um, yeah, it's, it can be a challenge, but that's, that's one of my main jobs right now is to make sure that not only can we help people to avoid coming if they can, but also if they are going to be there, so there's less fear. So that's, that's so, a lot so, of what I get to do. So a community outreach specialist then, can that be interpreted as a spokesperson for probate court or as a publicist? For I mean, you're trying, you're trying to show a people. Little. Yeah, let, get, let's, let's get down into the detail level. What, what's a typical day at work for you? What do you, well, I'm, actually, I'm so, sure there is no typical day, but give an example. No, there isn't. Give an example Thank of goodness. a day. Of, of, I love that part. Yeah. Um, well, my judge needs no spokesperson. She is, she's been a judge for 28 years. Um, and she is, uh, very, she's one of the best speakers I've ever seen. And I've seen her speak probably more than anyone. I counted up not too long ago, how many times I've heard her probate speech talk. Yeah. And I think it's like over a hundred um, times. Wow. She doesn't have a stitch of notes. She doesn't have anything. She doesn't need, you know, it just flows right out of her. So can you tell me her um, name again? I didn't quite Stormer. hear that. It's uh, judge Eleanor Stormer, Eleanor Stormer, okay. Eleanor Marshall. Yes. She's been, uh, she's been in mini court. She's been in common pleas and now she's the probate court judge. Um, so, you know, fortunately, uh, that part makes my life easy. She doesn't need me to speak for her ever. She can speak um, very well for um, for herself. But I do the public. Uh, I I try to take and do the press releases. Um, I do community projects. I'm in the middle of one right now, um, collecting cards for seniors for that are in nursing care and congregate care across Ohio, across Summit County because they've been locked down for two months and can't see their families. So we decided we'd supplement um, how hard their staff is working to make them happy by having the community make cards that we could sort and take in. So we have delivered about 2000 cards so far wow. in the last few weeks. And I've got about another 2000 to go out. I'm just sitting here smiling. So I, I'm just sitting here smiling as you say that, because that is such a beautiful and considerate thing to do. Um, yeah, you know, think about think about these elderly people that are sitting in the hospitals or lying in the hospitals, and some of them are even dying alone. Mm, yeah, that's. I wouldn't. You, you can't hardly think about it. You just would go. You just wouldn't be able to function if you think too hard about it. Yeah, it's yeah. so sad. And then you've got plenty of fairly healthy, right? They're in assisted living, independent living, or in nursing home care, right? With incredible caregivers who are sacrificing a lot during all of this. Um, but they're used to seeing their family once a week or yeah, a couple yeah. times a week or sometimes every day. And now that's just gone. And um, it, it's it's been very, very hard. You know, isolation of seniors is something we deal with and talk about all the time because um being isolated is is detrimental to your health um I, I'm, being I, isolated no i'm sorry really go ahead hard on you go ahead i didn't mean to interrupt yeah, you it's I just that there's a little say, it's just that there's a little bit of a lag in the sound and it's a little bit I'm choppy sorry. but that's no, don't don't apologize it's, it's probably just the internet connection 
So sometimes when I think you've stopped talking, you haven't. So I'm sorry. Oh. I, did, I, did, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, let, let, no, me no, just, let me just ask a question here. Now, now, now doing that kind of work and, and, and stepping in to help uh, elderly people who are sitting in the hospital or in senior citizens' homes, that's a great thing. But why you? How does that tie into the probate system? Because I wouldn't think that that would be something that you do in that position that you have. Help me to understand that connection there, please. Sure. So we do a lot with nursing home and congregate care because the probate court is superior guardian of a lot of people who are in those, those care. I that see. Care. So, um, we, um, there, there are, Oh, gosh, I think there's about 2,700 or so that are under our care. It's over 2,000. Um, either they're developmentally disabled or they are elderly. So we are their superior guardian. A lot of them have other guardians as well that help make decisions for them. But we are the ones who um, oversee them to make sure that, you know, their money is being spent correctly. They're getting all the care that they need. Um, if they need new socks, they're getting new socks, you know, those kind of things. I see. Um, and a lot of those folks are in those kind of that kind of care. So we are in and out of the nursing homes. And when I say we, I mean our, our court investigators who are angels. They're social workers who um, they approve all the adoptions. They also uh, uh, oversee all the guardianships in the in the county. They're okay, hard so workers. They each have about 700 people on their, on their caseload. So the, so the probate, probate court in many cases is responsible of they're the guardians of some of these people who mm -hmm. are okay i understand uh, you, you have to you have to remember or i have to remember i guess i've been out of the states for almost 20 years now so the 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 ins and outs of the court system some of that stuff i have forgotten and this is a former police officer talking and yet i've i well, see sure. that i've forgotten some of the things about how it how it works over there so well and the other pieces that can vary by by state and definitely um, even vary by county as to which court handles that. Okay. So um, in Ohio, it's it's probate that handles the guardianships, I think, pretty exclusively. Okay. Um, but by county, it can be spread in all kinds of different ways. See, and I guess in that sense, things are so much simpler here in Norway because the the court system, the um, the police force, it's all it's national. You know, there are no police, okay. there are no police departments. If you could just imagine right. the FBI being the police everywhere in the States and there's no such thing as okay. county uh, police or, you know, sher sheriff's mm -hmm. office and all that kind of stuff. It's right. one, one police department. So I guess things are kind of more streamlined in that sense over here. So I guess it's, oh, it's, sure. it's, it's kind of a reminder of how things actually are so different um, here in Norway. Very localized. We are very, very local control on a lot of things, actually. I, I would imagine that gives you a certain level of pride in your job because you know you are serving the people that are right there, right there in that county with oh, you. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And it's it's amazing to me, you know, having lived here my whole life, um, the nooks and crannies of the county that I've been able to um, to get to know in the last three years. And um, there's some amazing people. You know, you talk about this pro card project. I've been telling the judge for about a month now that I have the best job on the planet because yeah. not only have I gotten to see 
have I gotten to take these cards once they come in, but I've gotten to, to interact with the, the folks on the phone who, how can I drop it off and how can I do more and what do you need? And so you are actually hands on, you're actually hands on with the delivering of these cards. I deliver them to the nursing home right now. You can't go in. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, so I deliver them to the front desk, but just, you know, even getting to see, you know, watch the, the nursing home staff who's at the front gate, you know, the front doors who, um, who when you first come in, they're kind of suspicious. And what do you want? And what do you need? And <laughs> yeah. are we going to let her in? Yeah. And now when they find out while you're there, watching their whole attitude changes. Ah, it must be I, such a satisfying nice. thing to do. If that was the only thing you did in your job, that would be... Oh, I would love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, I it's... I love that every day. Yeah, you know, you can't have, there, there's not enough jobs like that that are directly bringing joy and comfort and happiness. To, I mean, that yeah. sounds, that sounds, uh, you know, kind of chumpy and, and, and cliche, like, like but, but, but it's the truth. I mean, that's just a beautiful thing that you're doing. Yeah, it's, it's been a lovely month, especially, you know, while everything's been so hard for all of us, it's been, um, I've just met amazing people. And the artistry of some of these cards, we're actually going to do an art show after this is all over called The Art of a Pandemic um, in the courthouse, showing off some of the artists that we've discovered wow. during this because beautiful watercolors and, you know, handcrafted things that we're gonna let them show off now how how so much thank you how much influence or how much control do you have over these type of things is 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 this art project your idea are you the one that's running it or that was the judge's idea absolutely okay. it was she took one look at the art and said we're turning this into a show so this is um, a judge that is more than a judge <laughs> this is a judge who is also oh, a yes. social worker this is a, ju a judge who seems to be somewhat of an of an um I don't know, activist. Can we say that? I mean, she's involved in. Oh, sure. Yeah. She's a strong believer in mental health and a strong believer in. Um, uh, she started some of the best mental health and drug courts in the in the county. Um, and our mental health court that we have is was the first in Ohio. Really. Um, to help people with, yeah, to help people with serious mental illness. Um, to have a way to check in because they were, they would just be released from the hospital with no one to check up on them except their social worker. And what the judge does is she checks in with them every two weeks, you know, how are things going? And, you know, people say, well, it's just the black robe effect that they're, they're behaving. But what we find is that she builds a, re a relationship with them where not only do they want to make her happy, right? Because they, mm. they want, they come before her and she, but they're listened to. I watched her one time listen to one of the patients who came in who had just been released and was talking about their medication and said, I don't feel good when I take it. It makes me feel like this and this and this. And she listened and she turned to the their caseworker and said, have you talked to the doctor about this? What can we do to fix this? And watching that the person who had been telling her this, watching their whole demeanor change because yeah. somebody Some, heard them. Somebody's listening. Yeah. I had right. a I had a I had a previous podcast about a, about a little bit different subject, but that whole thing about being heard, that whole thing about mm -hmm. if you you may not be in that situation, you may not understand that situation, but if you listen, you might learn something. You might find a way to contribute. 
so that you have a judge who is out there kind of using her platform to make people listen or at least to, to show people yeah. you know uh, what's going on and bring some awareness to a few things that that to me that to right. me that's just a that that is that's a judge who's doing it right a lot of people have yeah. this image of the court system and of a judge that you know they're just slamming that gavel and sentencing people but it's so much yeah. more than that it's so much more than that. Well, and I get blessed, too, by the fact that she's been a judge for a long time. So um, I, I can tell you that before all the COVID shut down, probably once a month, if not once every six weeks, someone will wander into our court and say, ask if she's there. Yeah. And, you know, often she'll come out. But um, other times she might be in a hearing and they'll say, well, just tell her that Justine was here and she changed my life. And I wanted to tell wow. her what I'm doing now. And that literally happens at least once a month or every six weeks. That's beautiful. And, and, that, that... And, and it's wonderful. Yeah. And we're talking about because she's because she listened to them or because she was tough on them when they were 20 or because she, you know, got them away from a bad situation. Um, and, you know, some of these folks are coming in with their grandchildren are getting married across the are getting their marriage license. And they just came over to say, thank you. See, and, now that's um, that's 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 what is so interesting about your job there. Uh, when I was talking to you, the uh, what was that last week when we first talked? That you are a conduit. You're 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 right there in that revolving door of communication, um, mm -hmm. and 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 the judge, uh, Judge Stormer, is is in this revolving door of communication and influence. Um, you know, she is out there making people listen, or at least opening the door for people to listen and shine a light on different issues, and. And vice versa, other people are getting her attention and, and your attention and you guys are listening. And then there's this flow of communication, there's this flow right. of giving, there's this flow of exposing, you know, shining the light on a few issues. You know, this simple thing right. of, of having these cards that can be given out to these people, you know, who are shut in during the this COVID crisis. It's, it's just beautiful. It's a revolving door of information, of communication, of giving you are it's, blessed. It's, it's a great place to be. I am blessed. I just, I can't, I can't tell you how, how um, I look forward to getting up every morning because I know, you know, like you said, there is no typical day. I might be working on an arts grant that's going to bring art to the courthouse to help people with mental health, with their mental health while they're in the courthouse. I might be in a meeting. I've got a meeting later with adult protective services where they're going to talk about some really tough cases that they've had. So that's heavy, right? And that that's going to be, those are often hard to hear. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I work with a lot of agencies from, from Metro, the, Regional Transit Authority, all the way to AMHA. Um, What's AMHA? And all oh, um, the Akron Metropolitan Housing Authority. Okay. So uh, Section Eight Housing and I see, yeah, and uh, and specialized housing. A lot of a lot of seniors live in those. Um, how how is the funding for that? Do you guys are you guys getting them or is is the housing um, uh, the Section Eight? Uh, what did you call it, the AM? Uh, AMHA. AMHA. Are they getting Acrobat. the Are they getting the funding that they need to do their job properly? Well, there's never enough funding in human, you know, health and human services. 
is, but that does come from a lot of that is federal funded from and, exactly. And I and I ask because um, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, the current administration actually cut quite a bit of federal funding to housing. And I haven't heard anything about the effects of that, but I can't imagine that it would be good. No, um, I know locally that we had a few really good grants come through in the last couple of years because we have some really great people in charge of um, those agencies. Um, So that's that's been fairly positive. Um, We've got some really good caring people that are the boots on the ground. Right. So. What the federal does, you, you try to do your best and, and and make your best of it. That's the other part that's great in my job. I might be meeting with a caseworker or I might be meeting with the CEO, right? Right. I get, I get to work both sides of that as well. Um, and again, you just, you meet the most amazing people because, amazing, yeah. the, you know, they might be managing um, a senior high-rise building, or they might be the CEO who decides all the funding. And um, is Channelwood really people? Is Channelwood still Channel Section Eight housing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still. And there's a lot of seniors, and I think developmentally disabled. Yes, that one's single, single story, I believe. That one's. Oh wait a minute. Maybe I'm one, thinking. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong. Thing. It's. It's. Um, now I'm going way back to my childhood. Uh, but it's it's uh, it's not quite downtown, but it's yeah somewhere off of Route Eight, almost downtown. Was it Channelwood okay. or it's a it's a high rise building? Um, oh. Maybe it's off not Channelwood. No, I might I be. I'm maybe because I'm I've got Channelwood is the one over by Canal Place and over toward the University of Akron, but I could have the wrong one okay, yeah. in my head. No, I'm just trying to dig up old oh, memories, I guess, about what, what is what. You know, I've, I have been, I can put it to you this way. When I graduated in 87, I left for college. I came back for about a year, and then I went into the Marines. So my memories of where yeah. things are, and I was never an, I was never famil- that familiar with Akron, because, again, I grew up way out. Sure. But uh, right, little places like where they have the good chi- where they have good chicken over in Norton. That's where I always Do go they? for my chicken. Really, Norton. really. Yes, the, they have Barberton chicken and Norton chicken. That's the best place. That's news on Cleveland, to me. Road. Yeah, okay. Stop it, Cleveland Masson Road. Would all- Cleveland Masson Road and what in and what intersection? Uh, or the closest intersection. Um, it's not near an intersection. It's okay. right in the middle. It was called the Village. And we used to go there. My whole family. The village. Now I got you. Yeah. Now I got you. We went. It was called Milliches too. And people used to line up. Yeah. Now I know. Now I know what you're talking about. (laughs) With the hot sauce. With the hot hot sauce. Yeah. 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 Oh, now I'm homesick. (laughs) Now I'm homesick. (laughs) Let me let me ask you something, Lisa. In our conversations, um, the word blessed comes up quite a bit. Mm. Are you a religious woman? I am, yeah. You're a yeah, woman of faith. Oh, absolutely. How how yeah. how important is that to you? How does that affect your life and your line of work? Well, I think it makes me grateful, and I think it makes me um, see uh, see everyone as as um, my brother and sister. You know, mm. I, I I've been I've been um, again 
blessed to live here my whole life. So I feel like we're all kind of pulling together and trying to do something together. So trying to make sure that everybody is, is seen and heard and, and loved and feels as blessed, right? Mm. Trying to spread that as I can. Um, it, it, it's hard right now to, uh, to not get, um, discouraged. So trying to make sure that I lift people up. I've messaged a few friends recently and just saying, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. Um, a lot of people blow that a lot of, I was going to say a lot of people will, and I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, but a lot, a lot of people will take that phrase when they hear that phrase, I'm praying for you. They kind of blow that off as, Oh, you know, it's just something they said. Um, but it can give comfort if it's not something that you just yeah yeah you know you right. when you when you say yeah. it it's because you mean it it's because you'll 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 right. do it um, right I wasn't raised to just throw that word out there I was raised you know if you say it then that's what you're going to do and the person you, you say it to it. and right. the person you say it to will expect that you do it and there is something uplifting about that um, I don't know I'm not afraid to bring this up I wanted to, I wanted to bring this up it's something I noticed almost right away in that first conversation with you that that word I'm I'm blessed or I feel blessed or mm. this is a blessing and it to me it's it's nice to hear that um faith is uplifting faith is is grounding at the same time as it's uplifting oh, it keeps you rooted in your sense of what is right and wrong and it's just a beautiful Absolutely. thing. I, ju- I just want to tell you, I appreciate hearing you say that. I, I, can f- <laughs> I, I feel your faith, in other words, if I can put it to you that way. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, it's not an easy thing to, um, to share a lot of times because it, it depends on who you're talking to. Sure. So I sure. tend to use that with people who I I can I can pray for people without telling them I'm praying for Absolutely. them and that happens all the time all the time so um, right so I usually only throw that out to people who I know will that I already am and that they'll appreciate hearing it you know my husband was deployed to um, Operation Iraqi Freedom when um, my kids were really little and he was a TV anchor at the time and so I still have people who come up to me now he was deployed what would that have been? My son's 18, 17 years ago, almost okay, 16, yeah. 16 years ago, he would have been deployed. So my kids were eight, five and one. And, um, I, I still have people today who meet me and say, you're Eric's wife. We prayed for you. And it just, it's, it, that's, that's what they remember is that when he was deployed, we were a face that represented yes. um, the guardsmen that were sent. And so it gave them somebody to, to pray for. Um, so I, I, I never forgotten. Well, and it's that, a good feeling. It's a good feeling to know that. Yeah. It's a good feeling to know that people are, 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 are praying for you. I mean, I, some people may get offended at that, but I take it for what it is. You're praying for me and thank you. And I need that. And I'll pray for you as well. It's just this. Right. this, this if we're just sending good thoughts at this point, that's it. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take that. I'll take that as well. If you just thought about me, pray. If you thought about me in a positive light, <laughs> light candles, do whatever you do. Just think positive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, now you are a, you are an elected school board official as well. 
I am. How how does That's a how, challenge right now too? <laughs> how does one how does one campaign to be um, on a school board? How do you make people well not make them? How do you convince people to vote for you? Hmm, that's complicated. It's very so complicated. I I, I, I'm, a good, I'm a good podcaster, so I ask the difficult questions. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will go back to that. I okay. have a question for you, though, yeah. first. Yeah. Uh, what is, are there school boards in Norway? Um, is there it's not in the same sense as it is back home. Um, okay. they're, not, they're not elected people. Um, okay. But you have people who work at the, I guess it would be the city level, at the city level okay. uh, for the city school district. It's not broken down exactly like that, but, but we can say that in the, at the city level, there are people who are employees who work for the school system. So it's not, it's not like a school okay. board, it's not like an elected type of thing. But then at the individual school level, you have a very structured parental involvement almost like the PTA. Oh, structure. Okay. Almost like the PTA where you have a leader and then they, the, there's other parents who are involved and they have their own meetings. Um, uh, and yeah, then so, do they take those to the people downtown? They take their concerns? Uh, not, well, not to the degree that, may, that I'm aware of it. They may do that, but okay. mostly it's taken from that PTA, so to speak, from that parental group to the school, if you know, to the principal and assistant principal at that okay. at that given school. Gotcha. So, it's a, so it's a little bit it's a little bit of a different system over here. The educational system, I think, is quite different here than it is back home. For example, kids over here don't get grades until eighth grade. There are no grades. Wow. Uh, until eighth grade. Um, okay. And um, I would say that's the biggest difference is that there's no grades and there's just a totally different um, view on the whole grading system. I think kids I get would a, love that. Because, okay. Sorry, I yeah. love math. I love showing mastery. I think showing mastery is a much better indicator of success than a grade it's more it's more I based know. on that although they have they have grades from eighth grade on but it is more of a mastering evaluation than a straightforward yeah. grade I, um i don't mind that terribly <laughs> i don't either i i guess my biggest problem with the school system here is that there is uh, how do i put it there's just a lack, and I'm not a freak for discipline. I'm not trying to limit what kids do, but there's just almost, it's almost, the pendulum has almost swung in the opposite direction to where kids get away with murder over here. There's no. just no, no, I don't know, it's too lax, if I can use okay. that word. I'll have to do some research and see what I can find out about that. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's, it's hard to explain, but 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 then again, <clears throat> there are some aspects of Nor the Norwegian school system that I think are are fantastic. Um, I talk to family and friends back home in the states, and they talk about how things have been now during the COVID uh, crisis. Uh, with homeschool, you know, kids having to sit at home and, and whatnot, and how people who don't have good internet connections, their kids are suffering when it comes to their schoolwork at home. That's not an issue right. here in Norway. Everybody has high-speed internet. 
everybody. I mean, it's not, it's really not an issue to not have that. So then they have very close and very direct contact with their teachers so that uh, our kids have actually been performing better. If I'm going to put our personal business out there, our kids have actually been doing better since they've been home from school. So yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah, it's different. It's different over here. Yeah, we can, we can, we can go and we can talk a little bit about what we've done during COVID, but you asked me a specific question. So yes. I'll go back to that. So campaigning. So um, my husband retired from the military. He was a TV anchor and he was in the National Guard. When he retired from the military, we were looking for another way to give back. Yeah. Um, I was a stay-at-home mom for when my kids were little. I worked in the arts. I wanted, I have a degree in secondary education that I didn't get to use traditionally. I taught in a lot of different ways. I taught theater. I taught um, young mothers and mentored them, but I never taught in a traditional classroom after because I was blessed enough to stay home with my kids. Um, Because I, well, I graduated during a recession too and couldn't find a job. So that was part of it also. But, um, so we were looking for another way to get back a new way. And that's why and how I ran for school board. So um, I spent a year studying the job because that's just who I am. So I uh, got to know the district that I grew up in. So it's where my par- parents, and my grandparents went to school. So I have a lot of historical and institutional knowledge from okay. the outside looking in. I wanted the inside part as well. So yeah. um, and then you run and Akron never. Never looked so big as it did when I ran citywide the first time. Um, talk about nooks and crannies. There's not many streets I haven't been on, or um, mm-hmm. I'm not a big door to door kind of person. I'm much more of a, um, I don't know. It, it was a little easier for me to to meet people in smaller groups than door to door. I just, I don't know. Personally, as a woman, I think it's hard to go up and knock on people's doors, but that's just, I don't know. Well, let me ask you this. How did did you, how did you, um, how did you get in front of these various small groups? What kind of groups were they and how did you get yourself in front of them? I asked. (laughs) (laughs) That's simple. (laughs) Yeah. Ask and you'll get an answer. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it helped that I was in the schools already with my kids because my kids were in the district um that well, what made kind a bit of, of a difference so? uh ptas um city council uh, um uh that's a, that's a really grassroots way to do it right is council meetings and and pta meetings i'm trying to think back to the first time i ran um which is tough. <laughs> so you, so you ask, been, uh, you ask, so you ask these different groups uh, for some time and they give you that time and you stand in front of them and you talk to them about who you are and you say what? I talk about what things are important to me in the district, especially um, being a third generation person uh, of the sea, raising a fourth generation um, in the school district. Um, I'd student taught in the school district, having that knowledge, but also um, being willing to listen and be their voice um, because we do represent citywide. So we have um, eight high schools, uh, nine if you count our alternative school. So um, we, uh, we have to represent the whole city, not just where our kids go to school or not just where we live. Yeah. So um, making sure that people understood that I was capable of and willing to do that 
Um, and I've never forgotten where I came from and um, that I wanted to be able to help be their voice. So, so when you ran that first time, when, when was, when was the first time you ran? So the other thing that was a big push to me to run was it was right after president Obama got elected and I helped work on that campaign just a little bit. I did a few little things with that and kind of got the bug. So I ran in Oh nine and was elected. I think in 10, that sounds right. Maybe I ran in eight. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, so, so running that first time then, what was your, I don't know, when I picture someone running for any kind of office, they always have that main cause, their number one focus. Did you have a main cause? Did you have I, a number one focus? I don't remember having anything specific. Mm -hmm. Um I, I don't. I don't remember if there was anything. I mean, school funding is always an issue so that we're always struggling at the local level because our state um, our state funding has been declared unconstitutional twice. So oh, really? Um, well, why, are, why is that? Uh, it was first declared unconstitutional when my now 25-year-old was about three um, because of the way we fund schools is not equitable. It's not... It, it's not done in a fair manner. It's too relies too much on property taxes. So areas of, uh, with affluent um, property values have more money to spend, and than people who don't. And that so was actually where I live. That, that was actually that actually had a light shined on it, and it was found to be unconstitutional. Yes. Now, why can't that happen everywhere? And why can't something be done it, about that? Uh, now, wait. Just because it was declared unconstitutional, it's still been fixed. Okay, let's so, let's, let's, let's get um, into that. <laughs> right. So it's been twenty almost. I think it's been over 20 years. I think it's going on 21 years and it's, it, they've gone to court twice with it. And both times it's been declared unconstitutional and it still hasn't completely been fixed. So does that mean that it's been, does that mean that it's been somewhat fixed? So it gets tweaked and they'll try different things. And, um, Every governor that's come in since that has said that he's the education governor <laughs> and says he's going to fix funding. Um, so they have a platform, <laughs> um, but uh, it has it still hasn't been fixed. So, so what, what is we're, it that's we're trying? The closest we ever came was right before COVID. There was a great bill that was in the house, and it's all on hold right now. So was it just a strict? Yeah. Was it just strictly a funding? Uh, thing that was addressed in that bill or is there are, are there other yes. things that okay it's, we're just talking about the funding it that, is because the funding formula makes no one can explain it except school treasurers i can't explain it to you there's a formula and you're either on the formula you are supplemented above the formula or you're below the formula the formula is supposed to fit everybody it fits nobody so it makes how does something make sense if if x plus y doesn't equal anything <laughs> what would be and, and I, so, I don't i don't want your your opinion necessarily on this because i don't want you to get in any trouble we talked about there's not going to be any gotcha questions here but <laughs> but so i don't necessarily want your opinion but what are people saying out there as far as you know what what area in akron is considered the affluent area because i know 
um, historically, you know, when I was a kid, uh, it was always the West side that was, that had the most problems that mm -hmm. had the most, uh, underfunding of the school system. Is that still the case today? So Akron funds, we have an equity policy, so it doesn't affect the city of Akron, how our funding is placed out. In fact, it's done equitably, not equally. So um, we put a policy in a few years ago to make sure that happens. That means if you have kids who need more interventions, it's going to cost more to educate a kid who needs more interventions than someone who doesn't. So more money goes to the schools where that's needed. So when we're talking about the funding issue, the funding issue is um, not what you get if you live in Akron or what you give, but the fact that perhaps in a Solon or a Hudson um, where the property values are so much higher, they have less has to actually come out, right? So the average house in Akron is worth somewhere it's under a hundred thousand. I don't yeah. know what it is right now or right around a hundred thousand. The housing market's been pretty decent up to COVID. So we'll see. Um, somewhere about a hundred thousand dollars is the average. Yeah. Um, so, but in Hudson, it's going to be more like four to 500,000. That's all and the if rich you're, people. Yeah. Or more into the million dollars, you know, that's where those 11.5 million people, live, <laughs> dollar people live. We used to we used but, to be, uh, we used to get mad at those Hudson people because uh, they were in the suburban league at that time uh, in football. Yes, so we went were. out of our way to whoop their behinds, and we did every year in football. <laughs> Hello, Hudson. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but okay. So yeah, so. Just, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So that's the funding that we're talking about. Is that um, the part that's based on property taxes? Okay. And um and. The levying on the local level makes it difficult. We're, we will have to ask for a levy this year. Um, again, for the first time, we've we've cut and cut and cut, um, but we will have to ask for a levy this year, not just because of COVID, but yeah. um, because that's the cycle in Ohio. Every seven, if you can go five to seven years, you're great. We will have gone almost nine years since our last one. Um, so we've stretched it out as far as as we possibly can. When is um, when is the next so that, time? When is the next time you have to run? Uh, what is it? Is it a one year term or is it? Uh, how long is it? Term? It's four. Four years. Okay. It's four years. So how far are you yeah. are you into so, the current term now? I have. Um, if I was to run again, which there is great debate in my household. Um, <laughs> Because 12 years is a lot of public service. It 12 is. years is not, you know, public service to sneeze at. Um, so I would be up not in November of 2020. I would be up in November of 2021. Okay. So next November. So I would have to run again. And you're not sure that you'll, you'll do that? I'm not sure. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to see, you know, like I said, 12 years is a long time. Um, my thing is I want to leave it as as good as I found it. And we were in some really fantastic stuff before COVID, some really yeah. exciting changes. In the and so I ran this time again and cause I was so excited about it. Um, I also want to find someone to replace myself. If that makes sense. I see. Yeah. I want someone who's passionate and um, that I can help, um, help along and maybe even help campaign for when I go to come off the board. And I haven't found that person yet. <laughs> 
is it uh, that that's a time consuming uh, position to have? What do you get out of it? Because there's no because there's no there's no financial reward there. So what what do you get out of it? What well, is it we, that keeps you in it? We make four thousand. We make four thousand dollars a year, <laughs> which basically pays for my gas to drive around the city. Mm. Um, you know. You know, there's there's no financial. I've got. I'm one, sorry. Go ahead. No. So I've got one really good story that actually is going to come to fruition this week. So I'll tell you that. Um, Graduation time is fantastic. Teacher of the year time is fantastic. Um, You know, May is usually our reward for all the work. May is when you get to see the benefits and the um, getting to go in and read to a kindergartner, which I know I can do as a volunteer. So I need to get over that. Um, You know, all those, those things, those little perks. Um, When, when you get to make it work for somebody, right? When somebody comes to me and says, Hey, I don't understand this. Can you explain why the district does this? Or I can't get through to the right person. I don't know who to ask. Um, And I do. That's, I'm, I'm their connector. Um, Every time I can do, I love it. Last night, somebody had a question about something thing they just tagged me on a, a post on facebook and i was able to give them an answer because i had talked to i'd spent 45 minutes in a earlier conversation with um, our business affairs person so i had that answer um this week there's a young man who is graduating um we're doing kind of in person kind of virtual ceremonies here um they do get to walk across the stage. They get to come with just their family. Um, okay. The family's the only one in the auditorium. They get to walk across the stage. They get their diploma handed to them. They get to go take pictures. And then we're going to splice them all together, for lack of a better term. I, yeah. I sound like it's from the 80s or something. <laughs> Edit it all together with speeches and the like, and then we'll show them. So he is graduating. He was going to drop out. Oh. And... A year, a year ago, his dad reached out to me, again, Facebook Messenger, which not a traditional route, right? And said, help me. My kid's going to drop out. I don't know what to do. And I was able to connect him with a program and the right person to talk to to get him into it. And I got a Facebook message last week that said, we would like you to please be there to give Nick his diploma, even though it's a closed ceremony. We consider you to be part of our family. We want you to hand it to him. Wow, how beautiful and is I that? Cried, I, I cried and cried because uh. I was so touched that not only is he graduating, but that they, you know, that they remembered. Because there, there's lots of people along the way where, you know, you know you gave that push or you got into this or that but this meant enough to this family that i get to give nick his diploma i've met nick for all of 30 seconds i don't know nick i've spent lots of time counseling dad and talking dad through and you know following up with dad and saying have you heard yet have you heard yet kind of things and pushing from above saying somebody needs to call yeah um so but yeah it's there's things little things like that um, well, that's the beauty the of public service. When things go well, yes. they go very well. And you get that feeling, that rewarding feeling of having made a difference and of having done something that has changed someone's life for the better. 
That's the beauty of yeah. public service. So, yeah. You know, that that one message, that would have got me through about 10 years. That's about 10, uh, 10 years worth of reward right there. Yes, it I is. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, there's lots of little things along the way. Um, but like I said, May, it's been hard because May is usually our... Uh, our reward for the year is to get to see all the uh, the scholarships and um, to just to see all the success. Yeah, so it's hard. It's hard to lose that this year. Sure, sure. Um, could you ever see yourself going? That let, let's say you don't run um, for your position on in the school board. Uh, could you see yourself going into any other? Uh, form of political or uh, public service or could you see yourself becoming more of a traditional politician running for city office of some sort i and i ask because opportunities and i ask because you seem to be in the middle of a lot of what's happening yeah so what what what's your answer to that then I love my counterparts on city council. I do. Um, and I love the folks that work for the city. Um, I had a chance to, to run for one of those positions and chose to stay where I was. I see. Um, they make 10 times the money. They, do. <laughs> <laughs> they make 10 times the work. Um, what was the position you, know, you had a chance sit on city council or I, I would have, I could have run for city council. Okay. Sure. doesn't yeah. mean I would have made it, but I could have run. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I I admire those folks. I have good relationships with almost all of them and with the mayor's office. Um, who's the, who's the mayor of Akron? But, uh, uh, Dan Dan Horrigan. Dan Horrigan. I'm trying to remember. Yes. Uh, see if I can remember that family name. Um, has he? Does he have any family members in politics there? Uh-uh. No. Uh-uh. Okay. No. Okay. Yeah. He's been in for a while. Um, Don Tlaskalik was our mayor for almost 30 years. A well-known name. So, yes, I remember him. Yeah. Yeah. So he, um, Danny, took over for him. I call him Danny. I should call him Dan or Mr. Mayor. But I grew up, up around the block from him yeah, <laughs> over yeah. in North Hill. So um, to me, I've always called him Danny. So sure. I always have to check myself in public. It's like, a, <laughs> oops, sorry, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> I interviewed but, a cousin. Um, I interviewed a cousin of mine uh, for my podcast a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he has a doctorate. And and but it, but he's a cousin of mine. But I haven't spoken to him in in years. I could say in decades. Actually, it's been over twenty years since I last spoke uh-huh. to him. So it's like doctor. I'm like, no, I, I can't call you doctor, even though it's that's your title. You're my cousin. <laughs> so um, right. no, I get it. Yeah. But Mr. Mayor, I guess yeah, in an official, in official uh, situations, yes. yeah, Mr. Mayor, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't know. I, you know, um, I kind of have my fill between both jobs. If I, if I want to, I could. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. I'm not getting any younger either, so I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe state school board sometime or something. We'll see. I just I don't know. State that job school board is pretty. That's centered yeah. in Columbus, then. How would that work? Yeah, uh, there's oh, there's different sections of the state of Ohio. Some are appointed positions, some are elected. I see. Um, you represent several counties. Um, it just from what I've seen of the job, they don't have a lot of. They don't have the kind of influence that I would appreciate. I see. I, I see. I think that you need to have a little bit more that you can actually do with a position. Um, if I can't help programs or change 
systems. I don't know that I want to. You want to make a difference. That. You want to get so your. We'll you want to get we'll down see. in the mud and make a difference. No. I do, but I'm also I, I'm also mindful of my role. I know that you know in school board our role is governance. I don't. I I have to to um, trust the people that are on top that I that I actually do control their jobs to do their job right. Right. Um, school boards can get you in a lot of trouble if you start getting down in the weeds on picking coaches or. Um, picking teachers, especially in a big district like Akron, um, I don't know. I, I being in a small district would have its own issues, right? Because everybody knows everybody now. Akron's yeah. the biggest small small town in the world. I swear it is. We how all know each people, other somehow. How many people are um, in Akron? How many citizens? Are oh there? gosh, I think it's over. It's not quite two hundred thousand. Okay. Um, so it's we a, have twenty one thousand students. So it is a big small town then, yeah. It is, yeah. I mean, mm. if you and I sat here, we could figure out more than just your family that I know, I'm oh, sure. Oh, probably, right? absolutely. Probably dozens. Um, you learn real fast in Akron that you don't talk bad about somebody till you know them really well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's going to be somebody's cousin or brother or, you know, <sighs> next door neighbor. Yeah. So you better not be talking bad. <laughs> Gosh, I get I get homesick. You know, even you know, even though I'm 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 a Norton guy, that whole Akron area. Um, you know, my mom lives in Springfield Township now. Um, my daughter, okay. my daughter and grandkids are in Kent. Um, my sister is in Akron. Shout out to my sister Meredith. Hello. <laughs> Um, so, so, so I, I have my ear to the ground. I hear what's going on there and I, I'm, I'm constantly homesick. I'm so homesick for that old back home feeling. There's mm. something about the people back there. Um, everybody is so grounded, so straightforward and real I don't know how to put words on that, but as an outsider looking in, there's just so many good people in the Akron, Kent, and, and out in the suburbs in that area. It's just good people there. It is very special. So my judge isn't from here. She's originally from, uh, she moved around a lot, but she considers Louisville her home okay. uh, in Kentucky. Yeah. And she tells me that, we've had a lot of conversations about how collaborative Akron is and how, if you need help with something um, or you want to get something done, all you have to do is pick up the phone and people jump in. She always teases me and says that um, there's something special in the water here, um, <laughs> that there, that there's a reason AA started here, that there's yeah. a reason um, that some of the great things that have, have come out of Akron, you know, kindergarten was created in Akron, Ohio. Yeah. Um, so if you think about some of the things that are helping of others, um, a lot of them come out of this region. Salt so of the earth always, people. It's just such so many yeah. down to the earth, good people, just salt of the earth. Literally. Yeah. If you yeah, lick, if you lick the place. arm, if you lick the arm of someone in from Summit County in Northeast Ohio, <laughs> it's going to taste salty. <laughs> Salt of the earth. We do not recommend that during. But COVID. don't do it. We do don't not. do it. Don't do it now during COVID. <laughs> no, please oh. do not. 
<laughs> oh my god! But I, so, so, so you mentioned a little bit earlier about connectivity. Um, one of the things at Nacken Public Schools we were able to do is we already had Chromebooks in the hands of every Nacken Public School student, pre-K through twelfth grade. Um, Chromebooks. What is what the is little that? bitties? Uh, Chromebook is it's like a laptop, only it's basically an internet machine. That's what I'm okay. on actually. Oh yeah. Okay. And. They um, they all have one to do their schoolwork and take their testing on, and the um, the little ones only used them at school, so they didn't have them at home as well. They didn't have them all signed out like the big kids did, but um, we were way more ready than our urban counterparts across the state because of that, and so we got to spend our time just checking connectivity. Um, I know at one point. Um, we had about we purchased about 800 hotspots mm-hmm. um, to add to Chromebooks because kids didn't have them. Um, and we've done some more since we've had a lot of donations from people doing that during this time. But we're we're in our last week of school this week, and we will have finished with um, with 21,000 students, all but about somewhere about 500 to 800 have logged on and done online learning at some level. Now, some of them have killed it, right? They've just done a great job. And some of them, it's been intermittent and um, we need to work on that for next, you know, I see. next fall. But I see. Um, are, 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 there any, are there any plans being made uh, just in case there's a new uh, flowering of this, COVID virus and the schools have to be closed when the next school year comes around? Is there any preparation being made or or not? So the governor just announced yesterday that all plans are that we are going to open in the fall. Hmm. So um, we, I'm actually on a, a couple meetings, one tonight from 6 to 7.30 that's statewide on what other dist- what all the districts are doing in the Northeast area. And then tomorrow afternoon, I'm on with one. We've formed committees that are looking at every aspect of your day okay. yeah. for students, um, including uh, how they get to school, what that looks like, what's going to happen if we do have a positive case, um, we're operating on the fact that it's not going away, let alone. Yeah. Um, and so we'll have to have ways that we can shut down and start back up and shut down and start back up. Okay. So that's kind of the plan that we're going under right now. Um, it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a challenge. It's been a challenge already. I can't see, uh, I don't, you can't cover every contingency. You you can't you can't look into the future and see exactly. So so it's gonna it's gonna demand a little bit of flexibility and it's gonna demand a lot of patience from people because I think no matter how much we plan, if it gets bad again, uh, it you know there's gonna be a lot of unexpected issues that are gonna pop up. True, yeah. true, and you know I, I've been telling people who've been reaching out to me and saying you know, um, what's this going to look like and what's that going to look like? And I said, you know, I don't know. I've got a committee on that. I'm going to get an update, blah, 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 you know, and I tell them all that. But I've been really honest and I've said, I can guarantee that you're going to have three or four things that you're going to go, okay, I understand that. And I said, you're going to have one thing that you hate. Hmm. You are just going to hate it. And, And I'm sorry, 
but that's you know well, that's good that you're preparing them for that ready. that they that you know not everybody can be satisfied with everything and it's it says right. a lot about your commitment that you're willing to to be so forthcoming and just say that straight up Right, because I hate it. You know, it's sure. not like I'm I'm making a tough decision. I'm making, you know, really a really tough choice on whether we keep this or delay that. Um, it doesn't mean that um, that because I've made that decision that I like it. Mm. It means that there was there. You know, I was between a rock and a hard place and had to choose. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can so, I can I ask you a question? Yeah. This has nothing to do with anything yeah. that we've been talking about now. Oh, my, my my sister, who you know, uh, she yes. constantly teases me because she says, you know, now I've been here in Norway for 20 years. Now here at home, I speak English with my wife and our, and our kids. But when I'm out working, I'm out in the public, I speak Norwegian. And in that process awesome. of learning Norwegian and speaking it so often, my sister says that I now speak English with an accent. Have you heard me say now this is this so. is for this is for my sister Meredith's benefit. I'm asking someone who is totally independent. You know, you're not biased in any way. I'll ask you, do I do I say anything? Have I said anything so far with any kind of an accent? I do not think you have an accent at all. I think that you have some phrasing that's slightly different. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it does. It does. But, um, yeah. Okay, just just some phrases, just how you, how you cut them off or how you do things that I can tell that you've been somewhere, but that doesn't mean, you know, been it's, somewhere. Just, it's not it. But, right. John, John right. Allen, he's been somewhere. I like that. He's that's been a, somewhere. That's a catchphrase right there. <laughs> okay, Meredith, you heard, well, you heard that. Who, see, I would be terrible because I'm one of those people who if I go south for, you know, a vacation, I start picking things up. And I, I was an actor for a while. And so I, I love accents. I adore them. It's mm -hmm. like one of my favorite things. I, I love trying to guess what someone's is. And, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I love that. So, um, yeah, if I go somewhere, I start to, I start to do I'm, that. So. I'm, I found out that I am that way. Um, the first time we came home after we had moved here, this was in 2005, and we flew into Washington, D.C., and then from there, no, this wasn't in 2005, this was in 2000 and, when was that? Yeah, I don't know. Whenever it was. And we, we, we flew into Washington, D.C., and we, we drove a little bit south, and we hit the Blue Ridge Parkway and then up to Ohio. And as we stopped and would interact with the local people, all of a sudden I noticed I was picking up a little tw <laughs> little, little twang. <laughs> little twang? You know, it went, it went from you guys to y'all. And little, little, little right. <laughs> and little things like that. In a so. You know, in a completely respectful homage, not sure. in a, you know, make it fun. You just pick it up. And I, because at that point I had been gone and in Norway for some years, you know, what, three or four years. And then to all of a sudden be back there and hear my own language again, I just started mimicking what i was hearing so all of a sudden i was talking you know yeah as we moved up uh, north on on uh, i-77 i started changing and all of a sudden i was back to the ohio ohio accent that's fine so is your family bi all bilingual too oh yeah um my wife um 
when we first came here, in order for me to learn Norwegian, we figured, okay, I'll just speak Norwegian with my wife. But that was weird because when we met, it was when I was living in Chicago. So we met speaking English and it was just weird to start speaking a, a different language with her. Okay. So, and, and also she started to lose her English skills when we were speaking just Norwegian. So for her benefit and mine you know so i can just be myself when i when i'm at home she and i speak only english together and then with our two kids from day one i have spoken only english with them and demanded that they, that they answer me in english and mm. they speak norwegian with my wife so everybody in, okay. the, in, in this house is bilingual and then that's fantastic yeah and then at the dinner table, uh, when we're all there, the, the kids have to speak only English, even if they're speaking with their mother. And that's, okay. so that they, that's so that they can, you know, they need to be able to call home to grandma and their cousins and, right. and whoever to, uh, you, you know, in order to be able to converse. So that was the idea of them um, okay. having to speak English to me. If they try to speak Norwegian to me, I ignore them. <laughs> that'll get him that'll get him <laughs> and I'm the father him. of the year ignoring his children so <laughs> uh, no I love it I think it's great I wish that we were I, it's one of the things um, I was fortunate enough I'm trying to think if Juliana got to go when we went um, we went to Europe with uh, Miller South with my youngest son and we got to spend some time there and our tour guides spoke seven languages and okay, yeah. um what country were you it in? was just we went to um the first time i got to go twice i had never been to europe in my life until i went with my you know then 10 year old son um we went to uh the former czech republic mm -hmm. we went to, so prague we went to germany mm -hmm. uh the second time we Went to Austria and Germany. Um, well, Norway is very different. And Bratislava, which was beautiful, loved it. Yeah. But yeah, I haven't. That's that's on my bucket list because we have family that is from um, the northern parts of Europe, uh, Sweden, Norway, Wales. Um, okay. And that yeah uh, yeah. Well, Norway is Nor and I do. Norway is very different when people. When people say they've been to Europe or, or when they refer to Norway as Europe, I always tell them, you know, Europe is yeah. the continent, but the country of Norway right. is so different. It, it's, it stands apart, you know, um, language-wise, um, uh, nature-wise. Um, the demeanor of the people is different, you know. Um, if you ever get a chance to come to Norway, you just you just have to yeah, do it. Love it, to. Will, it. I'll put yeah. it to you this way: I've been here for almost twenty years, and I'm still fascinated just about every time I walk out the what door. Is? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. yeah, I think that you learn so much from travel too. I think that well, it opens your being, eyes and having those languages. Yeah, yeah. It opens your eyes because things are. More people should. Yeah, it gives you a new reference point. Uh, literally, a new reference point. Uh, th things are different depending on where you are in the world, and it just opens your eyes to a whole new way of thought, a whole new way of living. I'm a better person it's for it. It's fascinating to travel here too. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to travel here too. Um, sure. You know, to get out of your own bubble. Sure. I was fortunate enough. My parents. It was very important to them, and I'd been forty six states by the time I was 18 um, wow. by car and 
motorhomes. So not by flying. I never flew till I was 18. That's the way so, they do it is um, in a motorhome. And then you can actually be yeah. there among the people and see the yeah. sights and feel the difference depending on where you are. That's feel exciting. That's exciting. Yeah. You stop and you get out and you smell new smells and you see new sights and you, um, you know, it, it is easy to sit in Summit County and, and our, um, our little bastion of, of uh, tolerance and things like that and, and feel like that's how the United States is. And yeah, yeah. so times hard when we don't have that, um, you know, it's good to, to not just have the news be your wake up call to have <laughs> actually been some of those places and, yeah. and met people who think differently than you, but are still good people. And then to see that some of them don't necessarily have, um, they, they may have some, more uh, alternative ideas. Well, I wish more people thought like you do because I believe that those experiences bring people to a... It, it causes people to value dialogue and discussion. And that's missing in our, in our country. It's missing. That, yeah. that, that, that desire for dialogue and discussion is missing in the United States. I miss it. I'm, it's... it's pretty sad the way things are now the way things are so divided and i think it's a case of a shutdown of communication a shutdown of dialogue and discussion is it is it hard to watch what's happening right now and not is it it's soul crushing is it hard to be there it's soul crushing um yes it's very hard um i can't explain it it's it's very difficult to find the words for it, but it's almost as if i am more aware of my Americanism since I've been gone. Uh, it's almost like I'm more aware of my blackness since I've been gone. Um, it does something to me to be over here and see the conflict and the tragedy and, 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 and all of the, all of those, these bad things that are happening there. It's almost like you get this desire to, to, to jump in it and try to fix it. <laughs> and, and, I, and I think that's yeah. something that is exclusive to expats. We're a few Americans who live here in Norway and, and pretty much universally across us, we all feel that. It's just this mm. weird aching to be there and try and contribute to making things better. And that's regardless of political affiliation. So sure. it's, uh, it's, it's rough. It's rough watching that. I'm sure it's even rougher I, I, for people who are. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I can't imagine what uh, all the thing, all the emotions that that must give you. I mean, you must fear for your family. You must um, mourn for. Uh, you know, there there have been a few comments that have been made about how this is a laughing stock or that is a laughing stock, and you know, to to watch our country um, brought to where we are. There's so much good happening too that I hope that some of that can go. Yeah, There's it does. so much yeah. you know, people stopping to going back the next day to make sure all the gl broken glass is cleaned yeah. up and, and helping people reset their businesses because those weren't the people who were protesting. That was a different group of people. Yeah. And um, seeing how, um, in almost universally across the country, how the protests are are biracial and by yes. um, have so many 
different walks of life coming together now is is the good part. So I hope that that's seen as well as the looting and the broken glass. Well, I tell you, it's to me, it's a beautiful thing when I look at some news coverage of places like... Um, well, in, in Minneapolis, where all of this started, and I look in the crowd of people protesting, and it's actually a majority of white people. And I think something, it seems to me that this time it's different. And when I say different, I mean that in a good way. There seems to be a an awakening among white Americans that they are now being more aware of the plight of black Americans when it comes to the unequal application of the law. They seem to be right. very involved this time in a way that I haven't seen before. When I can look out in a crowd of protesters and it's a majority white in some of these cities, it's, it's, it's fascinating. Um, they were showing uh, people who were protesting in New York City uh, mm -hmm. You know, in New York City, is a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a literal melting po uh, pot, but a majority of the protesters there, the mo majority of the people marching, were white. And I think that's a beautiful thing. There's more and more white people who are standing up and becoming allies. And it's, it's a beautiful thing to see, and I hope it lasts, and I hope it leads to some changes. I, I, I hope you're right, too. I think that, you know... Um, I think this generation is not just keenly aware of our differences and celebrates them, but they also celebrate what makes us human. Um, yes. Yeah. I look, I look at my kids and especially my youngest um, and his friendships and his relationships and um really being able to articulate he does so well about how um, it's okay to celebrate all those differences as well as our likeness yeah. and seeing past nonsense that and I was raised in a, a policeman household my dad is a retired police officer my brother-in-law's police officer and I was with them this weekend and oh. seeing their pain over this too of just it's so wrong and it's got to change. And, yeah. You know, I, being I've been, I, I've had like a mission. Uh, I guess I have several missions, but one mission is to try and show people um, that, especially over here in Norway, that, that just because a person is a police officer, that doesn't mean that they fall into that category of civil rights abuser. Um, you know, I'm a former cop myself and I don't, you know, I'm the furthest thing from a civil rights abuser. So I'm trying to use my background, my story, my platform to show people that we can still fix this. You know, we are not so divided that it can't be fixed. Um, right. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. But I just I have a feeling, you know, even though things look bad, even though there's a lot of chaos and people are hurting and there's a lot of division, I feel like something is different this time. And it's going to lead to some significant changes. I just have that feeling. I might be wrong. I do hope so. Yeah. I do hope so. And I hope that, um, you know, an abuse of the military doesn't happen. Um, yeah. Some of the call-ups are a little scary. As, it's scary. As, a, as an army mom, as an army wife, 
Um, I hope I don't. Yeah, but I hope like that, that Congress can step in with their oversight powers and stop some of that foolishness. I, you know, I don't want this episode to turn into a, a bashing of that uh, of our president. <laughs> but, but, good lord, what the heck is going on with these? With it's his call terrifying. to action that the military is going to start busting skulls. That's that's right. that's. Well, that's, and I just hope yeah, I just hope Congress. Yeah, <laughs> on the abuse of people of faith and and you know the the things that have happened in the last twenty four hours have just been it's uh, it's been jaw dropping it's been nauseating and yeah. jaw dropping but I tell you hats it off is. hats off to the bishop the lady who stood mm. up and said exactly what she and that and the and that uh, that that church that faith think about right. that situation hats off to her well and the catholic church came out against it too did they okay well, i didn't see that i didn't yes, see they that did. Good, the archbishop good. for um that area came out against it as well so good. that was nice to see good. i just i did get an alert that the secretary of defense is um is breaking with uh the president's view as well which I, i'm happy to hear my i'm husband shocked is, i'm uh, surprised uh, Yes, I'm a little shocked. I can't wait to hear yeah. exactly what he said. Um, my husband right now has a volunteer position with the U.S. military as a CASA. He's a civilian, a civilian aide to the Secretary of the Army. And um, I was giving him a bit of a hard time yesterday. I was like, I don't know how, I'm not, I was like, I'm not posting this because of your job. That's the only reason I am not posting this because yeah. of your volunteer position, but... I'm not happy. <laughs> well, I tell you, I tell you, I'm, I'm not happy either. And I said to you, I didn't want this this episode, and I stress this episode, to turn into a bashing of the administration. But I, I have a previous episode where I was very clear about how I feel, and I have some guests. Okay, and some look. Yeah, check it out, episode 28. Anybody listening, okay. check it out, episode 28. If you want to know exactly how I feel, and if you want to be a part of my call to action, um, there's a hashtag, be my white ally. Um, mm. listen, check out that hashtag and, and listen to that uh, episode, episode 28. Um, uh, my, my whole, myself a yeah, you know, and, and <laughs> j just to sum up that episode, basically I'm saying that the best thing that can happen is that we have white people as allies in this cause and that will bring unity. That will bring one force that will, that will lead to change. Um, you know, let's not forget why all the protesting started. So, basically, that episode is my call to action to do something about it. But, but the 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 the, the things that are happening at the executive level, I just hope that the powers of oversight that Congress possesses come into play mm -hmm. when they are most needed. Because to me, it's a frightening thing. This rhetoric about using the military on American soil to do the things that the executive branch wants done. It's frightening. Yeah, it so. is. And it's unconstitutional and it's, um, but then, yeah, yeah it's, exactly. And that's a good point. It is unconstitutional. So may, maybe, <laughs> maybe when it comes down to it, everybody should just relax and take his rhetoric for what it is, you know, blow hard rhetoric. Maybe there, maybe it's an empty threat and nothing will come of it. There's also that. Well, if, if, uh, <laughs> the silence of the um, of Congress of the Senate in particular is deafening. 
It is. I think, it is. As far as um, of his own party, who are the people who can check? Yeah. So that part is is difficult to tolerate. And well, so there were elections yesterday, and I think eleven seven states, maybe it was seven states yesterday. Yeah, who's that crazy guy up in uh, up in? Um, oh man, what state was that? Uh, he was the guy that the was. One who, it was Missouri, I think, wasn't it? The uh, Missouri guy is that the one about who was who yeah. supported the white supremacy? Yes, yeah, him. He lost, so he's gone. Yes, he's gone. So there is hope. Yeah. <laughs> there is some sanity is in hope. the world. Yeah, maybe it was Iowa. I think it was Iowa, Iowa. Thank you, Iowa. And I've and I've forgotten the guy's Iowa. name, but yeah, it was Iowa, of course. Yeah, and I and I and I've forgotten I, his name, but he's gone. And thank the good Lord for that, because because yes. I don't know. I think that's a sign of things to come. I think people's eyes are open and people are like, oh, okay, this is what this political party has been leading us towards. I don't want to be a part of this. And I think now people are starting to, to act accordingly. You know, I don't know. I just try, I'm, I'm trying to use my platform. Uh, you know, that's not what this episode was about, but again, we're talking about it. So it, we're talking about it, but right. I want to use my. How can you not talk about what's going on right now? Yeah, you, just, you can't. You know, talk about it. I just want everyone who has a platform to use it to to hopefully open the doors to dialogue. You don't, you know, and and I don't think that has to do with Democrat or Republican. I think it has to do with decency. Mm. Let's just do what is decent. You know, uh, I don't right. care what someone's political affiliation is. I, I, I just want people to show some character. I want people to show some compassion and, 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 and some decency. That's what I want. So right. I use my platform to, to advocate for that. I think absolutely. And I think that there's no place in the highest office on, in the land for uh for name calling and no. um, it's totally and unbecoming. It words, is no, it's and, an, and words that are substitute words for uh, racial slurs, like saying the word to me, the word thug is a um, well, is just well, DL Hughley said it, very, it. Yeah, DL Hughley said it very clearly. He said, um, These white people saying thugs. Uh, is just a way for them to get away with saying the N word. They've just replaced it with that, right. and it's it's. And you'll see when he right. tweets about it, when the president tweets about it, he always puts it in capital letters. It's always always all caps. It's always in conjunction with some phrasing that that you 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 know yes. it's a dog whistle, and and I don't mm -hmm. think that that is becoming of of our leader in the slightest bit. It has yeah. nothing to do with political affiliation. It's just unbecoming no. for the office of the president. Absolutely. So, I agree. And it, and it hurts. It hurts. And it's, and you know, I have several friends. I've got a few that I thought of this morning who are on my heart, who I need to, to send some messages to just to say, Hey, I'm hurting. You must really be hurting. I'm here. If you just want to vent or um, if you just, just know that I'm here, you know, just cause it, it's, it's heavy. Yeah, it's it just, is. I don't know. It is. It's just heavy. Well, so, you know, we have a, COVID's not there. It's just, if it's not that burden, it's, it's the, all the things that are going on and all the tension. So. Yeah. You know, as if COVID yeah. wasn't enough. Now, we, now we have this. Right. It was enough. Thanks oh. 2020. Oh yeah. Thank you. 2020. 
<laughs> oh boy <laughs> well listen lisa mansfield i i, I tell you th th this has been a very uh for me a very fruitful conversation i like talking with people who are out there making a difference in whatever way they can and you know as a school board member of course you're doing what you can for kids that's a beautiful thing uh you know um working in the probate court and being the um uh, um, a community outreach specialist. It's it's important work. It's 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 leading to change in people's. You're you're changing people's lives, and and hats I off hope to you. So. Well, you are, and and have <laughs> they changed mine? They changed mine. So, um, well, again, you know, I, I, as I described earlier, it's a, it's a revolving door of communication, of giving, of dialogue, of life changing episodes. Absolutely. And um, hats off to the judge as well. Well, I, you know, I'd like to talk to her at some point. Yeah, she's fascinating. Yeah. But hats she's off great. to you. I think you're doing some, some very important and beautiful work. Thank you. It's been my pleasure to get to, to know you through this. And um, now I have a new podcast to listen to, which is where this all started. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. When I'm out in my garden, I can listen to the podcast. Yeah, so out there with those birds. I tell you, I just love hearing those yes. birds. You know, of course, we have birds here <laughs> in Norway, but it's different. So when I hear those birds, sure. I can't remember what species they are, but I recognize that bird sound. Sounds like that home. Is, that, is sure. mu that is music from home. So, uh, awesome. I yeah. love that. Well, it's been my pleasure. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. And, All right. You take care. And thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. Bye, everybody. I'm coming home. Yes, I am. Yes, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Yes, I am, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. Lord, I'm coming home.